you cannot make someone who doesn't want to date. You cannot generate intent. You cannot change intent. If you're not ready for it, you're not ready for it. I cannot say, oh, 50% off or 90% off like sale, big three days. You don't have all of those tactics of a typical business. You're really about, hey, do I add value? Because the day nobody meets anyone on Tinder, they will leave. It takes one second. You have to be innovative. You have to constantly figure out, do I add value? What do my consumers want? How are their preferences changes? How is the competition or consumer expectation changing? And how do I stay ahead of the game? and reframe it and provide them value. That's been our focus. Most of the members on Tinder come from word of mouth. They come because somebody else tells them this works before there. Somebody they already trust, which means it has to work. And so how do we provide a safe, engaging, positive experience for as many people as we can is our focus. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Pratish Sanyal, and you're listening to The 1% Project. Conversations that will help you understand how some of the smartest minds build, scale, and operate new ideas and ventures. If you enjoy these conversations, do share and subscribe. My next guest on The 1% Project is Taru Kapoor. Taru is a general manager of Tinder and Match Group in India. In her previous stints, she has worked with Sequoia Capital and the Boston Consulting Group. Taru graduated from IIT Delhi with a B.Tech and M.Tech in Chemical Engineering and received an MBA with distinction from Harvard Business School. This is an amazing conversation with her on leadership, solving a hard problem, and educating the youth on how they can safely and respectfully express their feelings. In this conversation, Taru talks about her leadership style and decision-making process, balancing between EQ and IQ, Is it important for Tinder to have a female leader? The objective behind creating Closure, a creative film that talks about consent, dating in metaverse, and reasons behind Tinder's adoption and growth in India. If you have any feedback about this conversation, topic, or speaker recommendations, you can drop me a line at pratish at the rate1%.live. You can also sign up for the 1% Projects newsletter at 1%.live to receive the key insights and show notes of this conversation and every other conversation. Welcome, Taru, to the 1% Project. Hi, Pratish. Thank you for having me here. How do you reflect on leadership? Very succinctly, I believe in the philosophy of good leader is someone who empowers you to do your best and pushes you in a direction that gets the best out of you. So I believe in all the blame's mine, all the credit is yours, and I will push you in the deep water and I will let you discover where your potential is and I'll let you swim, but I will not let you drown. That's been my leadership philosophy. I'm also very direct to the point person. I say things, I mean it. Everyone who knows me eventually gets it and It's sometimes a bad thing, mostly a good thing. So everyone always know where they stand with me. I really value honesty. I think it's important to have honesty and empathy in how we communicate with each other, work and work otherwise. Uh, I think it's the bedrock of good relationships. I, I just use that as my principle and I'm still learning the rest of it on how to be a good leader. So how do you reflect on your decision-making process? My philosophy in life is make the best decision you can at the point of time when you're making it because you will never have perfect information and as long as you did that then I don't regret anything so I I don't carry regrets in life 
And I always walk and say, okay, at this point, this is all the information I have or all the factors and all the perspectives. So I really value, for example, bringing in diverse perspectives, talking to someone who has a point of view on this, which is different on mine or is looking at it differently, because I think that gives you more angles to evaluate the, the problem at hand, whether it's a problem in your life, whether it's a you know business decision, any decision. I think at the time, that's my belief that we get it, whatever input we have. We accept what we don't know. And there is always going to be ambiguity. Every quarter, my quarterly plan has ambiguity with this pandemic. So anyway, I think you make that thing and then you run with it. I know what assumptions I'm making. I made this decision based on certain assumptions. And if they don't pan out, I know when to change it. I think that's built in. So I don't carry regrets. I don't rethink, go back in time and do hindsight very much. One of my professors at HPS said, slow down. Anytime you have a big decision, give yourself the time to process it. Even if it's a few hours a night, try to buy yourself the time, just slow it down and let your brain actually process instead of reacting from adrenaline or crisis situations inside you. So I think that's a good thing. So at the time of a big decision, I want to slow it down if I can for myself, whatever the time is. Sometimes you have to make a decision in a time frame of hours, sometimes you have weeks and think it and bring in diverse opinions, sleep on it if I can. The sleep is great to clean up the mind. But once I have, I know what I assumed, what were the factors, and I'll just move on. You have studied and worked in highly competitive environments and interacted with high IQ individuals. How do you balance between IQ and EQ? IQ without EQ means nothing, uh, especially in today's world. As the problems get more complex or as you get more senior in an organization, either way, right? it's the same thing. It's a pleasure and an honor to work with people who are smart because they get it and you can communicate fast and you don't have to break things down. I think an above average IQ and an, or an average and above IQ and an average and above EQ is just as powerful. I have worked with individuals who are extremely high IQ and really poor EQ and they're great mercenaries or they're great individual contributors in a specific defined silo, but they're really hard to build around. So I think you have to pick the jobs for them. At the same time, you can have people with really high EQ and then again, there are jobs that they succeed in. I believe you need a bit of both, but I also believe it's a dated framework of defining. It's not about the score. To me, I call it competence and aptitude. I think there is a bare minimum of competence, whatever they're doing in life that they need to have. And then there is a healthy attitude of learning, of collaboration, of humility. I think as long as you have at least a bare minimum of two and hopefully a spike in one, but at least a bare minimum of two, it's critical. Like... You cannot have one. Is it important for a product like Tinder to have a female leader? I think a female perspective is critical to building anything in the relationship industry. I, I don't really think it's about one leader. It's about a group of people who's actually building the product, who's writing the communication, who builds it. So it's about the team. And a female perspective is 100% important. But at the same time, I think a diverse perspective is even more important. So diversity of gender, sexuality, socioeconomic classes, just opinions and perspective. The more diverse the team that you that is building it, the more inclusive a product you build. I would not distill it down to the gender of one leader. I think it's really about the philosophy and the core principles and who lives it day in and day out. I watched Closure and In Your Own Way. So what is the theme behind these creatives and videos released by Tinder? So closure is, and the topic of consent is really, really close to my heart. I've been wanting to uh, do some more about this for years, but I think the pandemic slowed us down a bit. I think consent is 
such a fundamental aspect and value and bedrock of any relationship. It's definitely a topic that we don't discuss in this, especially in India. We don't talk about, we don't know how to ask about, we don't know how to navigate. And uh, it creates, a, it has created a lot of problems. And I think in general, right, this whole world, when we talk to our members, these young 18-year-olds, we don't talk to people older than us about dating and relationships and love and any of that stuff. We either look at movies, which we discussed have lots of problems in popular culture, or, or we'll go to Western popular culture, or we'll talk to our friends who are just as clueless as us. So that's our two sources of information, popular culture and our friends. And so boys in a boys hostel will say, this means this, and she gave you her number, she must want to go away for a date with you or some shit like that. And we just internalize that growing up and that's how we act and we don't even we're not even aware of how we come off sometimes so we we have such internalized notions of like a girl has to say no three times even if she means yes girls believe that and boys believe that so nobody takes that no seriously and what is happening no means no and and so i think this idea of enthusiastic intent to this idea of saying if it's not a hell yes it's a no it's a great life principle but it's really important in relationships that you have to be in it. And so we have to start this conversation. Anytime anyone starts to talk about it, it sounds an academic topic, very preachy. And people who really need to hear it just turn away from it. How do I make the 19-year-old boy sitting in a boys' hostel now actually still internalize the message and the topic? Right? Like that's the topic. Because unless the society and the ecosystem gets healthier, we need the dating and relationship ecosystem to feel better, feel safer, feel more engaging. Uh, for everybody who's in it. So I think that's our intent. So we kicked it off with this campaign on consent and, and safety that we've been working with a lot of stakeholders, everything from legal resources to partners to content creators. Closure was our way of fictional storytelling. It's a softer way of putting like a serious message. So we created an eight-minute film, something we'd never done at Tinder before. I'll just put a very real situation. And we tried very hard to make it real address different aspects and not assign blame and not come off as like, oh, it's one person versus the other or one gender versus the other. Our aim is you internalize, you ask yourself, you ask, you talk to your friends maybe. We put together this website, let's talk consent.com. We took a lot of questions on consent and answered them. We are following it up with sessions in campuses across the country as soon as colleges open up a bit as well because we really feel it's about starting that conversation. It's about saying, hey, if I am not in the mood, can I say no? And how do I say no? If I say no, will it kill the mood? Will the person think that I like him? I'm just not ready for this. How do I say this? And these are real issues that if we can get people to rethink, navigate. We have actually received the support of a lot of influencers and comedians and celebrities that actually Gen Z listens to and millennials listen to and have them talk about consent that we could continuously feature as well. So I do think it's the beginning, it's a small effort. I think it's a huge problem. But from our perspective, really it's about how do we make you hear and internalize without feeling attacked? It's not very easy for it to not sound more preachy and get turned off by it. So yeah, we begin that thing. And yeah, I think it's an attempt. When you launched Tinder, which was the most crucial segment for you? In 2015, I spent the first three, four months just speaking to people who were already using Tinder and figuring out why. And we really grew, I mean, Tinder is one of those brands that's basically grown by word of mouth. You only trust to get on a product Tinder because someone tells you to do it. Or, oh, these are two of my friends. They are dating, happy, whatever, found each other, getting married, whatever. 
and they may on tinder and if they can so can i nine over way over 90% of our consumers even today come organically come because somebody recommended you most of the time maybe some a friend of yours just downloaded the app on your phone i spent a lot of time trying to understand who were these people because what we had seen in 2015 was it was growing by itself in india at for a country that as i said a rich managed country fundamentally it was exciting was strange and so it was really about understanding why and then what i've discovered was actually not that surprising in in hindsight but at the time definitely crucial was that hey it's young people who want more choice on where their life is headed i want autonomy young millennials i want us to have a say on what my life is looks what my career path is and who 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 are the people who i are in my life these are the two major respects and so the previous generations they did not want to just go down set paths what that their parents chose for them parents were also have been getting younger and then much more open and, and people i want in my life friends anyone i interact with my love life i want to have control over it so young people wanted autonomy and more than any anyone it's women and because it was working for women and they had a personal experience it was on their personal device they could be themselves they could express desire say yes say no whatever it was without getting stalked without getting harassed they could choose and meet someone they wouldn't meet otherwise they could choose and connect with people at their terms they were coming on the platform they were finding real value they were forging these connections and they were telling their friends and that's the only reason because that happened because that has been happening is why we grew and why this product worked where there have been attempts made in online dating ish products i think at least since 2005 in one way or the other and uh, even today i think every month a few apps get launched and a lot of them fail because it's really hard to get that sort of consumer trust and validation going so when we figured that this was a real value and obviously women are a core sort of constituency particularly in the heteronormative setup for any relationship app and dating app to succeed so i think we were like okay who are these women how do we get their trust and of course we were dealing with um judgment and stigma that indian society has and it was way larger five 7 years ago there were tons of people who used tinder but they would hide the app in a folder inside a folder on their phone so that nobody really saw them because they will i'm i'm okay but i don't know who will see it and there's a lot of stigma and judgment associated right and so for us we were okay use and we but we were still growing by the weeds and we would meet people every day who were meeting on tinder who were connecting who were finding friendship who were finding love who were finding everything and they were like, okay this makes sense there is a real consumer value proposition and uh, so we just went off encouraging that sort of positive network effects making sure we understood what indian users wanted especially women and then how do we go and reduce the judgment and stigma Uh, and normalize the category i think so that's been the objective and i wouldn't say it's 100% done but uh, obviously it's a lot easier in 2022 than it was in 2015 i think tinder changed the way individuals interacted on dating sites before tinder it was shadi.coms of the world where it wasn't the actual individual interacting but their parents the email address the phone number all the details were of the parents and this was usually to protect the identity of the individual usually women yeah if you think on growing up in india women get unsolicited attention 
all the time online offline wherever they are like you're in dms on any anywhere in the internet linkedin instagram wherever facebook so women get so used to be on their guard the whole time because of this unsolicited attention and then our society reacts by putting them in the bubble wrap instead of disciplining the rest of the society saying tum kahi nahi jao you stay at home you don't have to anyone etc so we actually put even more constraints on the on women in the name of protecting them and especially when it comes to romance and relationships it's a life changing decision for women i would say it's probably the top decision of their life in who they marry in india because who you marry will determine a lot of what you do in the rest of your life who you raise your children with what sort of values do you have what sort of freedom do you have what are you not of women even today said i'll be kid will i be allowed to work or whatever allowed to do something how will you be allowed to live your life as a function of who you marry and which is has its own problems but that's how a lot of women frame it and so it's a very big decision it's a high stakes decision uh, and so they're desperate to do that and the other other aspect of it is all of us men and women included we in india we don't talk to strangers we live in our beautiful eco chambers so it's our neighbors our friends people who went to school with college with office work with family that's who we live in we are very warm when you get to know us but if you will not walk past on the road and smile at anyone so you are stuck in this eco chamber and a lot of our relationships are also formed by proximity because oh, we sat next to each other in tuition class or you happened to sit in the same cubicle or whatever a lot of relationships are found on those shared experiences but it's it's not a physical proximity or socio cultural you know philo- uh, proximity that's all who you know and forget romance just to broaden your perspective on life you know, i want to pursue a career in xyz or i am very intrigued by whatever or i am really interested in going out and watching this obscure french play that none of my friends want to do i don't know how do i talk to another human being who's interested in the same thing or how do i talk to someone else who has a perspective on this thing or who has had a life experience that will inform me and to find another person a human connection Yeah, that's correct. It's it becomes it's very hard to make friends anywhere the older you get, especially outside of college. So it's very hard to find these new people, as, as particularly outside your eco chamber, someone who will accept you for who you are. If nothing else, you'll have a great conversation about something that's new and fresh, and we are, we seek that. There's a huge hunger in most of us for that experience, and Tinder enables that. And so for both men and women, and I realize that. you know that initial step the real in the real world that friction of saying that hello and getting to know some and getting a hello back and getting to know each other and sort of initiating this conversation is huge it's so large that we don't do it so for women in the romantic context a lot of it is about okay my parents are asking me to get married which they are like basically always asking you to get married for a few years till you get married and if i don't a lot of them are negotiating that two more years let me study this whatever just try to buy freedom for themselves or something but let's have the back of your mind and it's either that or it is but in your own life you okay, know this guy if you're not with someone already that you found then in your head you're waiting for something to happen basically because if you walk up to someone you think that the person will say she's easy because that's the judgment that we live in so you it's very hard for women to just walk up to someone and introduce themselves and by the way it's hard for guys as well because if if a guy walks up to someone he thinks that the woman will think that he's creepy because only creepy guys ever walk up to her so we're just stuck in this sort of lemons problem so most of the guys and almost all of the girls they just never approach either, each other it's so basically if you're a woman you're waiting around for something to happen 
you're stack ranking all of your past relationships and past friends and you kind of women always know someone was interested in them and they always know this and say okay do I drop a hint do I like tell my friend what do I do and that's your option or you're basically waiting around something to happen maybe at some friend's friend party something will happen or on a certain day some timer will hit off and then my parents will say here are three boys pick one or something and even then a lot of women especially in small towns we used to hear this okay even if that's okay how do i know what to ask a guy in or how do i know how do i figure out what's my type or who i will be happy with i have no experience so can i at least talk to a bunch of people and see so that's the woman's life um, and yes it's got a little bit better for some women a bit in the last few years but it's still the reality for a lot of india uh, and i'm only talking about women who even get the chance and who are not married off at 18 and have been you know sent to college i'm talking about that subsection but it's still a reality for a lot of the people so getting a place where you can be yourself where you can say no without the sort of guilt and angst and somebody being aggressive on you and fear where you can where you have the option to withdraw consent at any point of time so it's not quite being well you just a match where the person cannot physically harass and stalk you you don't vibe alone you don't get it you just withdraw and you move on he doesn't know where you physically are you're not stuck in a physical situation and then you are getting to explore all these people who are not going to meet in your real life you will find that spark and then when when you take that step and what we found and what we found repeatedly when we talked to women is they love the ability to navigate their life and it doesn't all, every match or every conversation long on let them to find the love of their life and that's not the intent but sometimes you find a best friend sometimes you find a job sometimes you find a, a company to go to go to an activity that you wanted to do sometimes we find people from music bands we've had people become co-founders all sorts of human relationships happen but it starts at that hello it's literally that first line of the first chapter of the book of the relationship and i think that's important and that's how we think of it as our job so our job is to make give you the sort of ability and freedom to be yourself ability to express yourself and as long as you are mutually respectful and consensual and follow the rules of a community connect with people in your own way in your own pace define your intent we're not going to make rules about okay you do this then you do this you figure it out and in human chemistry amazingly just takes over from there then like the fear of failure or the fear of rejection is huge psychologically right even if i i like i would normally really respond to someone if i'm sitting here talking to you doing a meeting if someone comes and says hi to me now i'm not going to pay attention to them and it might take them a lot of courage to say that hi and i'm going to not i'm not in the time and place and mind space to be able to respond to that and that is going to be such a discouragement that they're not going to do that for the next i don't know how many months that fear of rejection is a real thing it's even more so for introverts it's goes beyond that so that's a part of human psyche just the need for human connection it's such a fundamental thing for human beings uh, which is why like if you think of tinder it works in 190 countries in the world most of these places we don't have office we don't do marketing it just works it works and transcends culture geography language everything because it's such a core human need to want to connect to other people and to find a way to do it lots of women believe that they have to say no the first time or they have to act a little bit pricey for a bit or you know and not just men other women will judge them so there are all of these sort of random rules and preconceived notions that we have in our head india particularly a lot of people don't haven't had enough sort of interaction with the opposite gender growing up so they have they don't have enough perspective of how to talk how to think how to make it feel normal you can have a conversation without it being romantic or flirtatious uh, with with a member of the opposite gender believe me it's possible but the society sometimes can judge you for it that's basically our philosophy that one day go get married to a person you've never spoken to in your not in a person in entire 
agenda you've never spoken to or interacted to in your life. And then stay together and make it work somehow. So I think this idea of communication and understanding perspectives and just a healthy communication is something that's hard for a lot of us. To, and anyway, it's a hard thing for human beings because we internalize so much of it. How do you see dating working out in Metaverse? It's an interesting question. We talk about it all the time. A hot Tinderverse looks... I would say I think the short, succinct answer to this is that especially for Gen Z, I think it's always been true. And especially in the last couple of years for a lot of us, What's happened is that it's become a digital world. Digital and digital physical have become blurred. It is not that one is better than other or worse than the other anymore. We live our life seamlessly from one to the other. We live our day talking, interacting, sharing, shopping, whatever we do in the digital and in the physical and we navigate in and out very easily. I'll have half a conversation with you on WhatsApp and another half in real life and then the next set times on Instagram maybe or whatever. Like we're very, very good at it. Uh, and the younger generation even more so because the under 25ers, Gen Z, basically have grown up on the internet. So they're digital natives and they're very used to opening whatever, may- maybe op- switching on a movie and four friends just hanging out, watching it together in different places physically and having the same sort of satisfaction and shared experience that that maybe previous generations had on sitting on the same sofa. So I think because of that, our, our likes are getting blended. I think all human relationships are built on some foundation of shared experiences. Friendships are built on shared experiences. And so I think that sh- that shared experience is no longer limited to the, your physical geolocation. But you can have forms of shared experiences physically and digitally and physically. And do one year, do two there, whatever. And I think that's what will happen. And people will find different pathways of connecting and spending time and finding the vibe with each other. and some. And I think as that grows, as they sort of find that chemistry, then it will deepen. It will become a one-on-one conversation. It becomes committing all of the same things that we know. And that's why what you see even on Tinder a few months ago, we launched this whole new interface called the, we call the Explore page. It gives you all of these different pathways through Explore, through which you can find different people. You could find people who have the same music interests as you, or you can watch a five-minute video together, which is a murder mystery, and have your view on it. Here is something for you to talk about. And there are tons of other sort of experiences being built on top, which allows you to find, lean into experiences, have a shared time, lean into people and interests that buy more with you, connect with them. And we'll, we are also adding so many more ways to find that initial connection. We recently just launched something called Blind Dates, where you could, you would answer a bunch of questions, something quirky, something funny, and then you suddenly put it to a conversation with someone for two minutes. You don't see who they are. And you have all of this information about what they say and you get their vibe. And obviously at the end of that, you get to see each other's profile, depending on how the conversations go on, you could match, not match, and then talk further, etc. But it gives you all of these pathways of exploring. So I think for me, metaverse is, is a lot being said. The short answer is, I think the world's getting blurred. I think our users are already very adept at navigating the in and out and living their life and connecting with people and sharing these experiences will evolve. So there'll be different pathways, different intents, different ways of expression. If, you know, that's the, we're just as diverse as we all the members of our community. How has the experience of building Tinder impacted your personal and professional relationships? Well, you mean other than my friends telling me how I am still single if I know you and, and I'd be telling them, look, we don't sit and match people physically. That's not what we do. I think I would say that it's aid. I think it's both. It's made me be stay younger and also feel older at the same time, because a lot of my job is easier to understand how what 19 year olds and 17 year olds and 22 year olds think and believe and how they live their life. And that changes so fast. And 
So Tinder's core member group is say between 18 to 35 and across the country, across genders, across age, socioeconomic class, it's such a complex, large, heterogeneous group. And it changes every couple of years, especially the younger cohorts. What's cool? What influences them? What they believe in? What are their expectations? Not just about from the product, but from the society, from their relationships. What is important? What matters to them in relationships? All of that is something that we have to spend a lot of time. It's like this inherent curiosity that you have to have. And this sort of need to try products that I wouldn't. I'm, I'm too old for this new farm factor. And every now and then there's a new social interface that just catches everyone's fancy. And I, don't, I wouldn't try otherwise, but I have to. It makes my friends believe that my job is cooler than it actually is. It, it makes me feel I'm a dinosaur and I'm so old and my beliefs uh, are old. But I'm constantly reminded not to fall into my own biases. Because especially when you're building a product, and I think it, it just happens in most consumer tech where you feel, oh, I'm a consumer. Or if I were a consumer, this is what I want. So I'm going to build it for myself. And in dating, everybody had some experience when they were in college or their own life experience. And, or this was my experience going, this is what girls want. This is what all women want. Because I wanted this or whatever. You have, you, it's very easy to follow your own biases. I have to constantly remember to question my own bias and my own, this is what I would have wanted, I would have done. And I think that's a good thing because I think you can extend that across other things. It's much easier when you run a B2B business because then you are forced to understand your business and your consumer's problem more directly because you're not it. But B2C, you're like, I think this UX works. So this works. Stuff like that. This thing of sort of just keeping eyes open into a human business we don't sell a utilitarian product or service you cannot make someone who doesn't want to date you cannot generate intent you cannot change intent if you're not ready for it you're not ready for it i cannot say oh 50 off or 90 percent off like sale big three days you don't you don't have all of those tactics of a typical business you're really about hey do i add value because the day nobody meets anyone on tinder they will leave it takes like one second you have to be innovative. You have to constantly figure out, do I add value? What do my consumers want? How are their preferences changes? How is the competition or consumer expectation changing? And how do I stay ahead of the game and reframe it and provide them value? That's been our focus. Most of the members on Tinder come from word of mouth. They come because somebody else tells them this works before there. Somebody they already trust, which means it has to work. And so how do we provide a safe, engaging, positive experience for as many people as we can is our focus and that consumer change. That is a good muscle memory uh, to build, in my opinion. I have spent a lot of time teaching everyone on my team those kind of first principle thinking as well. And to question ourselves, what, what we thought was cool in 2018 is no longer cool in 2022. Your marketing playbook has to change, your, your communication has to change. Uh, a lot with the times. Taru, that was a great place to close this conversation. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Pritish. Really, I enjoyed having being here. You can find the show notes for this episode and every other episode on 1%.live. If you enjoyed this conversation, share it on social media and leave a review. See you next time.